Good morning. Welcome to Sunday Morning with Love and Action. I am Ken Tuck. Thank you for joining me today. I hope everybody is doing well out there in Radio Land. I hope you're having a good day and all is going well with you. I know for everybody, there's always something going on, right? And so we're going to pray this morning to open up and just lift up our not only our needs to God, but let's lift up our praise to God this morning because he is worthy of it all because he is holy and holiness of God is what we're going to talk about today. So before we get into that topic today, let's go to our Father and let's worship him and give him praise as we also lift up any needs that any of you may have today. God knows what they are even before we ask, but he's a good father and he wants his children to come to him and ask him. So that's what we're going to do this morning. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day, for another day that you have given us. Father, you are just so awesome and so wonderful. Your mercy and grace is incredible. Your love endures forever. Lord, we read in Psalms especially where we read over and over again, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And we thank you for that. Thank you for loving us. For you first loved us. Even while we were sinners, you sent Jesus to pay our price, the price that we deserved to pay for our sins. You sent Jesus. And Jesus, you took that price for us. You died for us. And we can't say thank you enough for all that you have done for us. We thank you that you rose from that grave to give all who believe eternal life. Lord Jesus, thank you for your salvation. I thank you for saving my soul, for forgiving me of my sins. And Father, I just want to lift up each person out there today who's listening. God, you know every situation, good, bad, whatever's going on in our lives, you know what it is. And just want to lift each person up to you. Lord, those who are celebrating victories, I celebrate along with them, Father, and give you praise for it. Father, those who are hurting today, Lord, I hurt with them. Lord, whether it's a lost loved one or there's just some kind of tragic situation going on in their lives. Uh, Father, there's people who are sick and just pray for healing for them. Lord, you know each and every need. And we put them in your hands, Lord. And Lord, whether we're experiencing those good times or those bad times, may we have joy of the Lord in our hearts. Because God, you are still God, whether we're having a good day or a bad day. Whether we have money in our bank account or no money in our bank account. You're still God. You're still Lord of all. And you're going to take care of us, Lord, no matter what the situation or, or circumstances looks like. So Father, we praise you. We thank you. We love you so much. We give you this time and ask you to bless it. Holy Spirit, we ask you to teach us, lead us, and guide us into all your truths, and may we be doers of your word, Father God, and not hearers only. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I need to ask you all again to bear with my voice. Uh, It's going to come back eventually. (laughs) Uh, Again, I had upper respiratory bronchitis stuff going on. Uh, Well, it was last month. But um, while I feel great, I feel just fine. My voice will start to give out on me uh, as I as I talk. So uh, uh, just bear with me. The Lord will will give my voice enough strength to make it through this. Just pray that He will speak clearly as we go before Him in His Word today. And as I mentioned that at the beginning here, we're going to talk about the holiness of God. Uh, that's a subject. It is taught. It's not taught a lot, but it's something that we need to be focused on because. We need to be focused on being holy, and we're going to get into all that uh, through this teaching. So interesting dynamics were, were at play when Jesus was born, when he came into this world. Because let's think about that situation for a moment. At that time, Caesar, he was 
the ruler of the really the known world at that time. And Jesus was born in a manger, a smelly manger. And what a contrast. Caesar, he had all the so-called power and glory, if you will, of man. And then here comes Jesus, son of God, born in the most humbling of settings. And fast forward to today. When you hear Caesar, you usually think of the salad, (laughs) Caesar salad. And we know Jesus, the baby who was born into that humble setting of a manger, he is the son of God and he grew up and he lived a perfect life. He died for our sins on the cross. He rose again. And today he is known, rightly so, as the king of kings, as the Lord of lords, the savior of mankind, almighty God. So what changed in our eyes? I mean, we know Jesus always been and always will be. But for us as humans, men and women, to go from seeing this little baby in in our eyes would have seemed kind of insignificant at the time. And here's this Caesar, who's the ruler of the known world, and now he's pretty much known as a salad. <laughs> and Jesus is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. What's what's changed? Well, nothing's changed with God. Because as I mentioned, Jesus always was and always will be, but his holiness, which has always been in existence, has been experienced by the world through Jesus Christ. That's what's changed with us, with people, because people have encountered the holiness of God ever since, actually, Adam and Eve. We can go all the way back to the garden and see where the holiness of God was experienced with them as as they walked in the cool of the day with the Lord and had that fellowship with him before sin entered the world. And we know holiness, it's, it's an attribute of our Heavenly Father, and it's an awesome attribute of our God. And what's so cool is God invites us into his holiness, and he invites us to be holy as he is holy. And we see that in Leviticus 19 and verse 2 specifically where he says, Speak to all the congregation of the sons of Israel and say to them, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And we see this attribute of God, this holiness of God, throughout the entire Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to to take an overview look at the holiness of God throughout Scripture. And let's start out. I like to, when we get a a key topic like that, I I like to look up that word and see what that definition of that word is. Now, the whole message isn't just on the definition of a word, but it's important to understand what we're talking about, isn't it? And so I took out my strong concordance and the Vines Complete Expiratory Dictionary to see what this word means. And the definition of holy means to dedicate, to be devoted and so looking at church history, it's also become known as to separate and to set apart. So we're, we're seeing a, a separated devotion to, and, and we're separated from the world to God, not separated from God, because thanks to Jesus, we've been brought back into relationship with Jesus, and we're being separated from this world, and that's, that's the holiness of God that he wants us to experience. And for one to be holy... One must separate him or herself from evil, from sin, and be dedicated and consecrated entirely to our God. 
to our God alone, who is holy. And God, he's really the totality of holiness and goodness. I like what Dr. Wayne Grudem says in his book, Bible Doctrine. He writes, there is no sin or evil in God, and he is incapable of being evil or committing sin. Praise God for that. Praise God he is incapable of being evil. He's incapable of committing sin. And when people encounter the holiness of the one true God, our lives are changed, and they're changed forever. I know mine was. 1989, when I gave my life to the Lord and I truly experienced the holiness of God, he changed my life forever, and he continues to change it. There's a new book out called Holiness, and it's by Matt Ayers, Christopher Bounds, and Caleb Friederman. And they say the world can only find holiness in God. Totally agree with them. The world can only find holiness in God. And they discover God and his holiness through his people who live holy lives as image bearers of God. So how are people going to experience the holiness of God through his image bearers, through those of us who have given our lives to him through his son, Jesus Christ, and therefore his holiness starts to become an attribute of ours as well, and people experience him. And as we read through the Bible, we start to see the holiness of God at the very beginning. In creation, when God created the world and everything in it, including man and woman, as God created everything, he said it was good. It was good because he created it, and he alone is good. He alone is holy, and we see a greater example of his holiness in the creation of man, whom he created in his own image, as we read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. Therefore, man was holy when God created man and woman. Just think about that for a second. I don't know if you ever thought about that, but when God created man and woman, they were holy because he created them after his own image. And part of his own image, his attribute is holiness. And so he created them, and he created them to be holy. Therefore, man was holy. And everything God created, he dedicated to himself to give himself glory. If a person or a place or a thing is dedicated to God, then it is holy. In a word study I read recently by J.D. Watson In Scripture, we see the word holy being used to describe God and the Messiah. Places like the temple and things like the altar and utensils for the altar in the book of Leviticus. God's holiness is seen after the fall as well. God commands Adam not to eat from the fruit of the knowledge of, from the tree of knowledge of good and evil uh, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 17. But then we know through reading Genesis that. Satan deceives Adam and Eve, and they eat of that forbidden fruit. And one of my pet peeves is don't call it an apple. (laughs) We don't know what it was, but somehow the apple came up there, and it's blamed for being that enticing fruit. But really, we don't know what that fruit was, but we know that it was the forbidden fruit. And they disobeyed God, and they ate the fruit, and so they sinned, which is the exact opposite of holiness. Since God is holy, he cannot have fellowship with sin. And in a, and, and this is really cool when you, when you stop and think about this part, because it was a very holy and just act of God. He sends Adam and Eve out of the garden before they could eat from the fruit of the tree of life. And so why is that such a significant part? Because think about it. They ate, from the, they ate the forbidden fruit from the 
tree of knowledge of good and evil. If they would have eaten of the fruit of the tree of life, they would have been left in that state of sinfulness and and unholiness forever. God didn't want that. So he sent them out of the garden, and there was no getting back into it. And that sets up the whole redemption plan that God already had and had already put in progress because he didn't want them to stay in that state. So he sent them out of the garden, and then we know he sent Jesus to bring us all back in relationship with the Father. So praise God for his holy, just, and good act that he did right there. In the next chapter in Genesis, verse 3, that's when we see God's plan to reverse the curse of Adam. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And we know God will send someone to crush Satan. And let's read that out of Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. So after the sin, after the fall, God tells Satan in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise you on your head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. So God was saying right there, I am sending someone, and that someone is the Messiah, and that Messiah is Jesus Christ. And so we know that right there in Genesis 3.15, that God's got that plan already in action, already to go. And so right there at the beginning, we see the concept of the holy Messiah. And we know the woman's offspring who will do that will be Jesus. And when Jesus comes in the New Testament, he reverses that curse that came from Adam. And Jesus died for our sins. He died for the sins of all mankind to bring us back into that right relationship with God. God, our Father, the relationship he wants to have with each one of us, like he had with Adam and Eve before they were deceived, before they sinned against God. And he wants to make us holy again. He wants us to be holy as he is holy, as we read in Leviticus chapter 19. And Jesus, he is the new and better Adam. And we see this connection in Scripture between Adam and Jesus in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 21 and 22, where the Apostle Paul writes, For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection from the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Praise God. How awesome is our God. Adam sinned, brought death to mankind. Jesus brings salvation, brings restoration, brings redemption to mankind. In verses 45 through 49, we see more connections of Jesus bringing us back to the Father and to be holy as he is holy. We read, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we also bear the image of the man of heaven. God created man in his image, The sin of Adam, as we just talked about, distorted the holiness and the spiritual part of that image. And Jesus restores that. And we shall once again, this is awesome to think about, we shall once again be fully in the image of God that he created man to be. You Remember, he created Adam in his image. So Adam was holy. Sin took all that away from us. But Jesus came back to restore that so we can once again be in the true image of God, being holy, because God created man in his own image. Uh, the sin of Adam distorted all of that. But praise God, Jesus restores it for us. We also see a connection between Adam 
bringing death and Jesus bringing life in Romans chapter 5, verses 14 through 19. And in verse 19, we read that through Jesus' obedience, many will be made righteous. So we see there through Jesus alone can we be made righteous and holy in the eyes of God. Only through Jesus. Praise God for Jesus. He, he did it all, and he's redeemed us, even to the point that we can now be holy as God is holy. And you may think, how in the world can I be holy as God is holy? Well, we'll get to that. Let, let's continue looking at the storyline of the Bible and see how it progresses. And we see this theme of holiness continue to come forth throughout the Scriptures. We see holiness, God's holiness in the covenants, beginning with, with Noah and the covenant God made with Noah. We know the definition of covenant is a promise. And so we see God is the God of promise. And in Noah's days, man had become so extremely wicked. And again, totally opposite of how God created man to be. And God is just when he destroys the earth. He created, but he also has the power to destroy it. And it was just and holy of him to actually do so. You know, it, it would be just for him to send all of us to hell because we don't deserve heaven because we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But praise be to God, he loves us so much that he sent Jesus to pay our price, and we just need to receive him, receive his forgiveness, receive his life, receive the salvation that he purchased for us. And how, how awesome is God? I mean, that is beyond mind-blowing. And we get into the days of Noah, and the flood's going to come, yet he saves Noah and his family, and the animals are on the ark. Those are saved as well. And he instructed Noah to build this, this huge ark. And when the flood waters receded, the first thing Noah does is offer burnt offerings to God. And it was a holy offering for God where he commanded Noah to take seven pairs of all clean animals and seven pairs of birds. We see that in Genesis chapter 7, verses 2 through 3. So a little trivia question there. Usually when you say, how many animals were on the ark, you'd say, well, two of everything. Well, there was two of everything, but we have to remember there were more than that because there were seven pairs of birds. There were seven pairs of all clean animals for this offering that Noah was to make when it was all over with. And so the animals had to be clean to be a sacrifice to a holy God. And it was an offering of thanks, an act of atonement that Noah worshiped God with. And then we know that God blessed Noah and his sons and gave them the same command that he gave Adam and Eve when he said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. That's what he told Adam and Eve. That's what he told Noah and his family. And this echoes God's time with Adam and Eve in the garden and alludes to Noah being the new Adam. And God promises to never destroy the earth again by flood. And that's when we know the, the rainbow is the bow in the sky. That's the symbol of this covenant. That reminds us of God's promise, and it should remind us of his holiness as well. So man has another chance to live a holy life with God. But as we know, and as the storyline of the Bible continues to unfold through the book of Genesis, and by the way, if you had not read Genesis lately, read Genesis. What a phenomenal book it is. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I love to read Genesis. It's just packed with so much. And we keep reading through Genesis, and we see 
that once again, man chooses his way instead of God's way. As sin continues to permeate man's character, which again is totally opposite of God's character. And so we move to Abraham, and we see God calls Abraham, and he makes a covenant with Abraham. And this covenant is, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And that's Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Abrahamic covenant promises that through Abraham, all the world will be blessed. Coming from a holy God, this shows God wants to make his people holy. I mean, you can just see that. You can feel it in Scripture as you read it. He wants to make his people holy so he can commune with them. Again, he created us to have fellowship with him, to have that communion together, the the father and and his children. And he wanted to bring his people back into his presence. And, and, And we see that in the Abrahamic covenant. The Messiah would be the one who... The world would be blessed. We know that through the through the covenant and then seeing how it's all fulfilled. And the Messiah, Jesus, came from the lineage of Abraham. And we've talked about that before on the past here on Sunday morning with Love in Action. And we see the connection and fulfillment of this promise to Abraham and Jesus, as Paul writes in Galatians 3.14, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So through Jesus, the blessing to the world, God promised Abraham, we will receive that. And therefore, we too can become holy and live with God forever. It wasn't just for the Israelites. We see way back That is going to be for everybody. And we see the holiness theme of God going throughout Exodus and Leviticus and including the Mosaic Covenant, the covenant that God made with Moses, made with Israel. God chose and separated Israel to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Again, you remember the definition of holiness, to separate, to devote. And we see God doing that with the the Israelites. And we see... In, in the scripture quoted in Revelation chapter 5, verse 10, as Jesus, the Lamb of God, reads the scroll and this eschatology plays out and Jesus is seen as the conquering and reigning King of kings and Lord of lords. And let's read that in Revelation chapter 5, verse 10. And we read, You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So we see this connection all the way from Exodus to Revelation about being kings and priests of the Most High God. And the ones who will be the priests to the nations, they're ushering in the holiness of God and showing the people of the world how they too can be holy and enter into a relationship with the one and only true God. And how awesome is that, that we can enter into this relationship. And those of us who are believers, we have the opportunity to tell people that and to introduce them to that fact that, hey, Jesus wants to save you. He wants to forgive you of all your sins, bring you into fellowship with God, and be a holy nation, be a holy people separated unto God, and be holy as he is holy. And people will see that God alone is holy. God's people... Uh, as we read in Exodus, going back to the Old Testament, they're enslaved in Egypt, but he raises up Moses, 
to lead the people out of Egypt. And through the exodus of Israel from Egypt, we see God moving to bring holiness to his people. He's separating them. He's dedicating Israel to himself. And God gives Moses the Ten Commandments. And this is to give people his holy law to obey. Again, it's about holiness. And it's also for them to be morally right with God. And the Mosaic Covenant is covered in Exodus 19 and chapter 24 and chapters 32 through 40. The Exodus was, when we think about the Exodus, we think about the children of Israel coming out of Egypt. And yes, that's a, that was a big part of it. But that was not the only freeing freedom, if you will, part of it for Israel. That yes, they were freed from slavery, but God also freed them to fully enter into the presence of God. And to be in God's presence, that right there, that was the apex of the entire Exodus story. It's not just coming out of Egypt. It's being in the presence of God. And to be in God's presence, they had to be a holy people, and we do too. God is showing the Israelites through the law, again, we're in Exodus, through the law, how to be holy. And God also gives Israel the sacrificial system so they can be dedicated to God and therefore be holy as he is holy. For God's presence to be with them, for them to be in the midst of God's presence, if you will, they must be holy. And as we read throughout Exodus, the people, well, we know the story, they were rebellious. Even though God had done all these miracles and he freed them from slavery, they kept choosing their way instead of God's way. Just like Adam and mankind throughout all of history kept choosing the wrong way. It hasn't changed, has it? Humans, that is. We keep choosing the wrong way, but we have an opportunity to choose the right way. And when we do, hallelujah, things change. Our lives change. We experience the holiness of God, and we start to become holy as God is holy. The people, the Israelites, uh, they rebelled when Moses went to the mountain to meet with God. And they made Aaron make them a golden calf, an idol to worship. I mean, that's kind of hard to believe uh, that they would do such a thing. After seeing all that God has done, then when Moses goes up into the mountains, into the mountain to meet with God, they're like, well, he must not be coming back. Aaron, make us a gold calf and we'll worship that. That's just, wow, that's, that's mind-blowing in and of itself. But we can't be too hard on the Israelites because... Man hasn't changed. I mean, how many times have in your life or you've seen others' lives, God does some miraculous things, amazing things in their lives, only to turn your back or that person turn his or her back on God not long after that. that that's what Israel did. Uh, a modern example of that would be, say you're going through a tough time financially, and you don't know how to make ends meet, but you pray, and God comes through, as he always will, he always does. He comes through, and you come through that tough trying time. Now you're making a good living, and you forget all about God because you got money. That's, that's no different than what Israel did. It's still sin. It's still turning from the holiness of God and choosing our own ways. And so we need to make sure we are not doing that. We need to choose God. We need to choose his way. And we have only just touched the surface 
of the holiness of God. So we're going to have to continue this next week. We'll pick back up on it there. We'll be in Leviticus, and we'll work our way from there, talking about the holiness of God. But just know this, God loves you. God is holy, and he wants you to be holy as well. He wants me to be holy as well. How can I be holy? By living for God, by being obedient to him. And the more we do that, the the less we sin, and the more we become like Jesus. And the more we become like Jesus, the more holy we become. So I ask you, join me again next week, and we'll continue this very important talk, very important study about the holiness of God, because we need to see that we too can be holy, because too many people think that we can't be, but yes, we can. And come back and join me next week, and we'll talk about that. And we'll talk about how, yes, we can be a holy people. God says so. And that's enough for me, but I'll show you. We can be holy people. And thank you. just want to thank you for joining me today. I hope you have an awesome week coming up this week. As you go through it, know that our holy God loves you so very much. And I pray the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.